Pints with Jack, Season 4 and a Half, Episode 1, Bonus Episode. C.S. Lewis at the Movies. Welcome everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where Andrew, Matt and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. So, why am I here? I mean, why are any of us here? Are we starting Season 5 early? No. Season 5 will begin in just a few days. This is Season 4 and a half. Because you see, this is what happened. I was planning Season 5, and I was talking with Dr. Devin Brown over email, and he mentioned that he had put together the study guide for the upcoming C.S. Lewis movie from the Fellowship of Performing Arts, which is called The Most Reluctant Convert. You may recall an episode earlier this season where Andrew was interviewing the main actor of this movie, Max McLean. Well, this movie is going to be released in just a few days, on November 3rd, and I want to do something to encourage everyone to go and see it. And since we're between season four and season five, I decided that we were going to also have a season four and a half. And today's episode is going to be the first and last episode of that season. Clear as mud? Well, now that we've got that sorted out, let's move on and introduce my guest today. If you haven't heard any of his early appearances on this show, Dr. Devin Brown has appeared on Pints with Jack twice before, once to talk about his biography of C.S. Lewis, which is called A Life Observed, and he then returned to talk about the series of books he wrote on Narnia, Inside Narnia, Inside Prince Caspian, Inside the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and the as-yet-unpublished Inside the Silver Chair. Dr. Brown is a Lilly Scholar and Professor of English at Asbury University. Dr. Brown. Welcome back to Pines with Jack, and welcome to season four and a half. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. I really didn't think I was going to be speaking to you again until season five, yet here we are. Well, I'll just tell you this. For Lewis fans, it's not every day of the week that a great Lewis movie is about to come out. I mean, matter of fact, this is the first great one, uh, so it's worth talking about, especially in advance before the big big launch day, which is a big, important date. So, Well, let's push on to our normal episode segments. And so for the quote of the week, since we're going to be talking about a movie that's based on the life of Lewis, it has to come from Lewis's spiritual autobiography, Surprised by Joy. And I pulled this quotation, which is about the central theme of that book. Joy. Anyone who has experienced it will want it again. It might almost equally well be called a peculiar kind of unhappiness or grief. But then it is the kind we want. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures of the world. And for my drink of the week, today I am drinking another local Wisconsin beer from New Glarus. This one is called Kid Kolsch. And I went and looked up the tasting notes for this. It said, crisp bitterness dries quickly into a clean finish. Double decocation, mashing of specifically blended German and Czech barley and wheat malts naturally create a golden bready center. Sounds a little bit more like a meal than a drink, but there you go. Dr. Brown, are you drinking anything? Yeah, what was the name of your beer again? Was it, do you think it's German or Czech? Uh, it's made locally, but it's called Kid Korsch. There's a little umlaut over the O. Yeah, either one. So it's, it's still um, rather warm here in Lexington, Kentucky. So uh, felt more like a summer day and a summer night. And so my wife Sharon and I just got back from a walk. So I'm drinking what I always drink when it's hot here, which is my special concoction of one-third water, one-third ice, and one-third really good orange juice, the kind I couldn't afford in grad school, right? Not from concentrate. So <laughs> it's it's quite refreshing and, and you know, a great 
Great drink on uh, kind of a summery evening here. It was funny. I grew up on orange juice from Concentrate, like the value cheap variety. Uh, and then I went to Australia and had freshly squeezed orange juice virtually every day for a couple of months. And then I came back to England and I went shopping with my mum, and she went to go and get this from Concentrate cheap orange juice. And I just reached up and stopped her and said, we don't have to live like this. Life can be better. <laughs> well, that's a mark is when you can afford the good orange juice, I'll tell you. Exactly. Well, cheers. Cheers. So for people who haven't heard about the Fellowship of Performing Arts, let's just say crazy people, they haven't subscribed to Pints for Jack, they don't know what it is, they don't know about their plays or their recent movie adaptation, would you please give us a bit of an introduction as to what they are and what we can expect in the next few days? Yeah, happy to. And I'll just say this. So Andrew did a wonderful job of interviewing Max a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, Max can only brag so much about him, his own company and his own production. So so you and I can talk a lot about it because, you know, we're not in their employ. And so for, we, for us to say what a great job they do with everything they do uh, is easy for us to say. So um, Thumbnail Sketch, FPA, stands for Fellowship for Performing Arts. They have a website, FPA Theater. R-E-F-P-A-Theater.com. And uh, you can, you know, learn a lot more if you want to by going to their website. Uh, and I think people who like Pints with Jack will like the stuff that FPA does. Uh, a lot of it's Lewis stuff. Matter of fact, I would think their, their biggest productions are Lewis related. Anyway, they're a nonprofit production company and they're based in New York City and they produce theater uh, and now film, right? Uh, from a Christian worldview. And here's what they put in their mission statement, intended to engage a diverse audience. And man, that is, that is tricky because it's not just for Christians. There's a lot of Christian art that's just for Christians. And they hope to bring in all sorts of uh, thinking people, people who are interested in learning more. And let's be honest, different kinds of Christians. That's the other thing you find, uh, little niche markets for uh, seeker Christians or Christians of a certain denomination. Anyway, they do a very good job with a, a diverse audience. And, and the way they do that, is they, they, they have a certain kind of production and a certain quality of production. Uh, the quality is with a standard of excellence that you'd find in you know, the most professional theater on Broadway. And the certain kind is it's going to be one that's particularly thought-provoking and, and challenging, insightful, and funny, and moving, all of those things. So they look very hard to find um, a work that will get them to that um, level. And um, they were founded back in the 90s by Max McLean. His initial uh, productions, I don't know if you, is it, most people have seen these, but it was recorded um, versions of the Bible, right? I'll just say I, I saw many. They were on cassette tape, right, when they first came out. Then they were on CDs, and now they get streamed. But, you know, they're still listened to by a lot. Of, matter of fact, if you Google Max McLean, you'll get as many hits for churches that are using his recorded Bible versions as anything else. Um, and then he did stage versions of the biblical books of Mark and Acts and Genesis. And I have been trying to think for the last week where I was when I saw his stage version of the book of Mark. I, I remember seeing it. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't writing Lewis stuff then. I didn't go and introduce myself and I didn't know he would do Lewis stuff someday. But I remember seeing him on tour. Could have been at my church, could have been um, at, at the Christian college I was at at the time. Anyway, so that's what that's what they did in the 90s, right? And then in um, 2010, they did the screw tape letters, right? And it started off Broadway and, and ran for, I don't know, uh, a while. And then they did this four-year national tour in all the major cities and then in London. 
And to me, that's really what put them on the big map. That's that's kind of why we're talking about them today, where they adapted screw tape. Have you seen screw tape? I have. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen it once and I've seen Most Reluctant Convert, the stage thing, three times. And, you know, that quality is just amazing to me. And um, I don't know. I, I thought I'd read something from Lewis just to, just to get us going before we move move on. So this is from The World's Last Night and other essays. And this is Lewis on good work and good works. And, you, and you'll get this because there's a British word. that Good works in the plural is an expression much more familiar to modern Christendom than good work. Good works are chiefly almsgiving or helping in the parish. They are quite separate from one's work. And here we go. Here's Lewis. And good works need not be good work, as anyone can see by inspecting some of the objects made to be sold at bazaars for charitable purposes. <laughs> this is not according to our example. When our Lord provided a poor wedding party with an extra glass of wine all around, he was doing good works, but also good work. It was a wine really worth drinking. And, you know, that's the whole thing is, is when we talk about Christian fiction, everybody makes a ee face or Christian film, ee <laughs> face, you know. Um, and, and, and they set out to change all that. They set out to say, look, we want to make something that, that Christians can be proud of, that can, can hold its own uh, with any of the secular works on stage. And so Screwtape was the first of that. Um, and then in 2013, they did Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert. And so, you know, it's, it's one of these titles, Lewis on Stage, colon, The Most Reluctant Convert, which suggests there's more to come. Uh, sort of like the Chronicles of Narnia, colon, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which becomes too long of a title. But anyway, it suggests franchise six, suggests if you like this one, we've got another one waiting in the wings. And in fact, they do. Um, after Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert, first the stage play and now the film, uh, there'll, there'll be another one, Lewis on stage, further up, further in. And then they've also done The Great Divorce, right? Your favorite book. And um, mm -hmm. th that's toured all over and it started touring again. So that's really maybe the second best news tonight is, yeah, COVID is perhaps under control and waning enough that people can safely go back to the theater. So Great Divorce is touring in October and November, different cities. And, and if people you know, want to look at that, they should go to fbatheater.com. They can buy tickets there. They can see when it's going to be in a city close to them. Uh, and then, of course, they've done a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Martin Luther on Trial, Man for All Seasons, Shadowlands, Paradise Lost. And some of these they did virtually during COVID, during shutdown. So um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a longer winded thing of, than what Max might have given. But anyway, I've got one more quote. Today to the art world, Christians are only cultural critics. FPA wants Christians to be culture makers. And that's a good quote too, right? Uh, so anyway, mm. um, the, the other thing I'll just say, they're a little bit like Pints with Jack in that they're trying to raise up a whole younger group of, of Lewis uh, scholars, Lewis fans, people who are familiar with Lewis and all that that means. Um, if you go to a Lewis conference, it's, it's an older group and we need a lot of young people. So, you know, podcasts <laughs> like yours. And so FPA um, had, had, um, if you're under 30, you could go to a show for $30, which was a way to make more shows accessible. And then they, just before the COVID shutdown, they started their campus initiative with Most Reluctant Convert. And trust me, they went to all the great schools and sold out Princeton, Brown, Berkeley, Columbia, Chapel Hill, Duke. And uh, anyway, they've reduced ticket price for students there. And um, 
The other thing I'll say that lastly is they have an interesting business model, which is, is they partner with a lot of people. And they say, look, um, if you are looking for a ministry to help, we'd like to have you help us. And people who contribute to FPA um, help fund all these productions. Uh, what does their, their statement says? It says uh, ticket revenue costs covers about 50% of their budget. So the other part to make this excellence costs, you know, a bundle of money um, is, is by people who decide to part with them and make it part of their ministry. Yeah. So, you know, if people are tired of COVID, they can at least say one good thing has come out of COVID during shutdown. Um, they took this um, idea that they had had for much years later and moved it up, the idea to take the um, stage play and make it into a screenplay in a movie. And it's gone so well. Uh, Max has said a couple places that they've got another, they've got plans for further movie or movies. Uh, uh, people have heard that screw tape's going to be possibly the next one, but there may be a couple more uh, in the five-year window after that. So screw tape makes me really excited. That, that is, that is a book and a play that really deserves a decent movie adaptation. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be great. I do wonder it seemed like the reenactments that we'll get to talk about in a little bit uh, seemed very natural to come out of Most Reluctant Convert. I don't know what they'll do necessarily uh, for screw tape. There's a lot of different things they could do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the the movie itself because both of us have seen it. What were your thoughts? Well, I, I thought it was great. Um, I mean, there, <laughs> there was a time when when all the great art or most of the great art seemed to come out from from churches, whether it was uh, music or sculpture, or painting, or architecture, and um, it's great to have a movie this good uh, coming out of a parachurch organization, out of the church again, from Christians again. Um, and of course, the, there's a number of things to highlight. The first thing I'd highlight is the great script. It's uh, probably 90-some percent straight from the stage play, which I thought was excellent. And of course, the biggest deal is it's Lewis words, and, and put together in a very thoughtful collection. It's just not an audio book of Surprised by Joy. It's it's actually better than that, in my opinion. It really dramatized it. So the script itself uh, is is rock solid. Max McLeanus Lewis brings all of his uh, experience from doing it on stage, brings it to the screen. He was great on stage, and now he's great on the screen. And then I'll just say, I thought what Norman Stone, who's the director and adapted it um, for the screen, he gets credit for this screenplay. What he did with it, I thought I thought was just great. So, you know, those are the three biggest things. Norman Stone, people may know, um, he directed the BBC Shadowlands uh, mm -hmm. with Joss Auckland and Claire Bloom, which if you're a Lewis fan, that's the one you like, you know? And uh, <laughs> anyway, I, 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 thought he, I, I thought he did really well with all those. What did you think about all those things? I thought it was great. Uh, I had seen the play multiple times, so I felt very at home in the movie because it's basically the play, but now... You, you get a walking tour of Roxford at the same time. And, and that, for me, I think was the most delightful thing about the movie. I've been wanting to go back to Oxford for a couple of years now. I've been wanting to go back to England for a couple of years, and I haven't been able to do it. And this was a lovely way of walking around the streets of Oxford and getting back to the kilns and going into a pub and getting a beer. It was, it was lovely to live vicariously through that. And I, I also really liked the other... Lewis's that are in the movie. So for listeners, a little bit of context. So you have Max McLean, he is the older Lewis, and he is basically a narrator. And then you have two younger Lewis's. One, Lewis is a boy, one as a, I'm just going to call it young adult, something around that age. 
And they were played by uh, Nicholas Ralph and Eddie Ray Martin. And people may know Nicholas Ralph from the remake of All Creatures Great and Small, uh, which is even over here in the US. And it, it's, it's wonderful, and he is a wonderful actor. And he his performance, he, he walked a very fine line because you have to, you have all of these different aspects of Lewis's personality that he has to communicate. You know, the scholar, the, the guy that's also a little bit of a jerk, but one who is also curious and is touched by joy. And I, I thought he actually probably had the hardest job in the movie. I thought he did it wonderfully. Yeah, and throw into the other thing. So he's he's also friends with Tolkien, right? So he's got to be this 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 this. He's, he's with his boys, right? And he's got to <laughs> do that, which is great. And they're they're going back and forth with Barfield, and you know he does that really well. No, I I thought Nicholas Rolfe was great. Uh, I liked him as James Harriet and All Creatures Great and Small, and I think he I think he plays a great Lewis. I think he was a great cast and does a great job. And then uh, little Eddie Ray Martin, who's Lewis as a boy. Is also really great. I mean, he doesn't even seem like he's acting. He just seems like a little Lewis. He's just good. And of course, you know, it's a period piece. So all of the the period part is great. And of course, if you're in Oxford, you just point a camera and it's whatever period you need it to be, Elizabethan <laughs> or, you know, uh, Lewis's uh, late 20th century or early 20th century. So all that works really good. Going back to the setting, though, you're, you're right to say the setting just worked so well. Um, for people who've been to Oxford, they're going to like seeing it again. For people who haven't been, they're going to like seeing it. I mean, it feels like you're there. You get lots of shots of Maudlin College where Lewis taught. Uh, you get to walk down Addison Walk uh, for a short period, but it's still pretty cool. Um, you get to go to the kilns, and the kilns is really the kilns. Uh, Little Lee, which is in Belfast, is not Little Lee. So Lewis's boyhood home uh, is not. Uh, they, they're using another building for that, another house for that, or set. But but the kilns is really the kilns, and Holy Trinity is really Holy Trinity. So you get to go mm -hmm. to Lewis's church as well. Um, so so that's just a plus for Lewis fans, uh, the authenticity of it. The other thing is I thought the photography was great, the beauty of it, um, both the interiors, the exteriors, the things shot in sunlight, the nighttime shots, they're just beautiful. So those are good things. I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, Everybody wants wants those principles to be Lewis. And, you know, it's kind of like when you first went to Lord of the Rings. Is Gandalf going to seem like Gandalf? Well, he did, right? He seemed to love, everybody thought he was Gandalf. So anyway, those are good. The supporting characters, I thought, were really well done, too. Uh, Albert Lewis and Flora Lewis, uh, really well done. And, and, and while we're on Albert, they did a great job not making him just a one-dimensional kind of jerk. Um, hmm. he, he, he's a real person. Uh, now, now he's, he's he's awfully formal and doesn't communicate very well, but he does have heart. The, the scenes where he's telling Lewis about his mom and and other things. Anyway, they did a great job with him. And then my probably absolute favorite, uh, William Kirkpatrick. People know about him. Lewis fans know his story, and he really came to life. I mean, he was more when after I saw him, I said, Yeah, yeah, that's how he would have been. I I always pictured him as sort of like Doctor Spock, you know, or Mister Spock, you know, uh, this sort of <laughs> Vulcan in British clothing, a logical entity. And, and and he's very logical, but he had a lot of life to him. And you can see why he loved Lewis and Lewis loved him. So uh, William Kirkpatrick was good. And then the young guys, Tolkien, Barfield, and Dyson. Uh, those guys were all fantastic too. So, so you know, the, the, the reenactments that they did, I thought were just just perfect. The parts were well done, the casting, and what they gave them to do. So that part had to be created. 
right? Um, you know, you're, 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 you're basing on what Lewis said, but they had to give them lines and give them things to do. And, you know, so that's not having Lewis write it for you. And I, I thought that part was just great as well. I, I liked in Kirkpatrick's house when Lewis was describing his routine. Uh, you really, you really felt that oh, this, this is this is a man at home. He this this is all he wants to do for the rest of his life. You know, work and read and write and interspersed with uh, occasional cups of tea and pieces of cake. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was perfect. I mean, they brought that passage to life. This is what I would do if I could. And you know, his walk looks like a great walk. And sitting down with tea and 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 a piece of cake to to read with, great. You know, and then going at it with Kirkpatrick, great. Um, you can see why he loved those years. And and here's the thing: he loved those years, and so you have to bring them to life with love. And you know, for people who've only read about them, like all of us, to finally finally see them fleshed out. And, and fleshed out so well and so richly and with such care. It was a real joy. Hmm. And you mentioned his father, Albert. I'm pretty sure Dr. Crystal Hurd is going to have some thoughts as to uh, what a true representation of Albert would really be, uh, because I've heard quite a lot of people say that Lewis's opinion of his father does seem a little, uh, little unfair, perhaps. Uh, but for the sake of the story and the movie, he was wonderful. I loved it when he was berating the boys and yep. he was pausing for dramatic effect and Warney thought that it was over. So he picked up his book and then got more of a telling off. But I think if I had to pick my favorite scene in the movie, it's as Lewis is narrating, talking about how as Albert had lost his wife, his sons were drawing away from him as well. He was losing them as well. That you that you saw that, that reduced family, Albert and his sons walking and Albert's, you know, striding ahead and the boys are falling further and further behind it was just a, it was just a really lovely scene i mean it's not lovely but you know what i mean no, it, it was very was, touching it, very it touching. was very touching to see he's he is losing them and to feel a little bit of heartbreak on that yeah i mean you know lewis's story look no one is going to make a, a movie or a stage play of either of our lives at least not unless something radically changes and lewis's life <laughs> itself was not all that fascinating. But when Lewis tells you about it, it becomes fascinating, the insights he gives and the things he provides. So, so to, to, to tell that story the way he did and to show it like that, it becomes of great interest and very moving. And, you know, the subtitle as it is on all the movies is, is C.S. Lewis, The Untold Story, right? And of course, it hasn't been told on film like this, so I guess that's true. Uh, but there are a number of biographies and Lewis's autobiography where he told it exactly. But anyway, that's what you, that's what you do these days. Anyway, um, to have it told now and told with such care and such love and such excellence, it, I, I will just be curious. So, so my wife says that she says, just remember, not everybody likes C.S. Lewis as much as you do. You know, I go and speak mm. somewhere and they say, yeah, I remember that. Anyway, I will be very curious to see just how big this movie breaks because I think it's just excellent, and anybody in the world's going to be able to see it. Um, you know, they're going to have the November third uh, theatrical debut, and maybe depending on response, they may have a few more days. But it's not going to run forever in the theater. But at that point, just because we can now, it'll be it'll be uh, available as a pay per view or, or streamed off some other. It, it's going to be possible for anybody with internet anywhere in the world to be able to see this movie, and I, it's hard for me to imagine that it's not going to just really really make a big impact. Yeah. 
like your wife said, my wife said something similar as well, yeah. <laughs> reminding me that not everybody loves Lewis as much as you do. And so the second time I watched it, I tried to put myself a little bit more into the mindset of someone who doesn't know Lewis from Adam. And I still think so much of this movie works because it's also not just drama. There's also a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of humor yeah. in the stage play and virtually all of it's left in. It's maybe slightly subtler, uh, particularly in the in the play. He has a scene where he, uh, he says that a lot of people assumed that he was you know, raised in this... Uh, in strict and vivid puritanism but this is quite untrue and then the very next thing he does is pours himself a sherry and downs it uh, that's still there but in the movie he's going into the pub uh, so th there is there's still a lot of humor there a lot of drama there are a couple of things that i think uh, if people aren't familiar with the writing and the period they might find a little odd i thought the the section where he's talking about his sexual temptation might appear slightly weird to to, to modern people and maybe the parts near the end where we're basically getting Lewis's trilemma, the liar, lunatic, or lord, uh, and the co the conversations with Barfield, they might feel that that's maybe a little bit too obvious that, oh, now this Christian movie is going to try and convert me to Christianity. But at the same time, I don't actually know how you could tell Lewis's story without including those parts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll go in a different direction. And, and again, I don't know. I had a, I had a friend who, who saw it and he said, he said, wow, they didn't do as much reenactment as I thought. I think he was looking for maybe a small voiceover and mostly what I would call feature film narrative kind of structure. Hmm. And I said, yeah, they, 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 they really took the stage play and brought some scenes to life, but it's mostly, well, the words from the stage play. And and his comment was, he thought, he said, do you think they'll have as broad of an audience? And I said, well, yeah, I get that there's somebody, there's a lot of people in the world who don't want to uh, watch a movie where there's basically uh, a one-man show who's speaking over uh, most of these reenactments or many of the reenactments. Um, but I also thought, yeah, but if you lose Lewis's words and just do all reenactments, I don't. It, it loses too much. So anyway, I'll be curious. I, I think that may be a limiting factor as well. People who, who want a movie that's all narrative and not someone speaking. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I thought another really great scene was the, the scene uh, that takes place at Holy Trinity. So you have the scene where uh, Lewis as a young man starts uh, flying his flag. Uh, and he goes there and uh, tip to people who see it. I don't know. Did you notice the hymn that they sing? All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. So, I you know, roared with laughter yeah, when yeah, I heard that. So there's that. a little insider joke there, right? And, and and then when they sing it, you're reminded of, well, Lewis has the voiceover. Church was a bothersome affair, you know, third-rate songs, fourth-rate poems, sixth-rate architecture, all that sort of stuff. And, man, you feel it. You feel it. Uh, and, and, and poor... Poor Lewis as a young man, he's trying to sort of sing and like, oh man, you know, and anybody who's been to a kind of a lackluster church service knows exactly mm -hmm. how flat they can be. Oh yeah. I don't, I, I think regardless of somebody's religious background, we have all been in that situation when you are told to stand up and sing and ugh, the organs out of tune and everybody's picking their own key and tempo. Uh, but, but the, the, the choice of that hymn for that scene, the little 
tip of the hat to the actor who plays James Herod in All Creatures Great and Small, uh, added a, a very nice, nice, nice little bit of levity to that scene. Yeah, and then and then uh, Michael Ward, who plays the the pastor, right, mm-hmm. has the perfect. They they wrote some new lines uh, where he's talking about I don't know if it's the altar guild or something that is looking for volunteers and tell Doris <laughs> to cite. I mean, it's the exact. Uh, bringing to life what Lewis is talking about, all the bothersome organization. And he does it with such a, uh, he's smiling, but you're thinking, ah, geez, I know this guy. And I know this, this kind of line. (laughs) Oh, geez. Anyway, he did it great. Uh, So I thought that was good. And then when we go back there for the second time, right? So they go back Mm -hmm. there for the second time. And, and I assume it's some of the same people. I haven't looked that close. Um, But, but there's, there's a few more people in there and, and, uh, for people, when they go see it, this isn't a spoiler. You're, it's the same as the stage play. You're going to get Lewis's words from The Weight of Glory about there are no ordinary people. And when you add those words, and then they do some close-ups on the people that seem so ordinary the first time around, and now you see them, and and there are no mere mortals. And, oh, it works so well. I, I, I thought it was just, well, perfect. Uh, so they go around that one. And then, then did you notice the uh, song that the Christmas choir is singing, the children's choir? Uh, I did note it. I could, I can't, I felt on what it was, but I didn't notice anything. Yeah, yeah. So it's in the bleak midwinter, right? That Christina was it, Rosetti's, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so everybody knows that Christmas song. They could have picked any Christmas song, but they picked this because the last line, as everybody knows, is what can I give him, uh, poor as I am, you know, and I, if I was a wise man, if I was, a, anyway, I'll give him what I can give him my heart. And of course, Lewis is going to give his heart fully. And there's the last line of the whole show. This, unlike 17 years ago, this time. You know, when I went to uh, communion and uh, at back at back in Belfast, this time I really believed. So it's a, it's great. I mean, they underscore it with the perfect songs both times, and and I don't know if they did something different with the camera work, but the people they show, the ordinary people, you go, yeah, there are no ordinary people. It was it's it's lovely. So that's a great scene. Well, we've been singing its praise, but I am I would like to change tact just a little bit. If you could have changed anything. Added scenes, removed scenes, changed dialogue, actors. What would you have changed? Yeah, and I'll just say very, very little. And and actually, I don't even have an answer. I would like to see a little more Warney, but I don't know how you get him in because he doesn't play a huge role in um, Surprised by Joy. Um, we don't really go to school with him in, in this movie like, like we do. So, you know, but and what we see is good, but I'm not sure he, he, he has more than one or two lines and you know people who who get to know lewis realize his brother was also quite interesting and and that would have been nice to see some more of him in the bbc shadowlands one of my favorite bits of warney is just as he's walking past lewis and they are just passing out cups of tea and not hugely paying attention to each other because you just know that these guys have lived together for so long now everything is automatic yeah. That, that, that said, uh, the warning that guy, uh, they gave him this possibly one of the funniest bits is where, you know, they're getting yelled at by dad and he thinks it's over and he grabs the book, which was just great, <laughs> which was just super great. Um, you know, uh, do I want it to be longer? So there's the Tolkien thing. So, so Tolkien in the forward to the second edition says, yeah, people have said all sorts of things about my book and, and there's only one thing I agree about it. It's too short. And you're thinking, man, it's like 1300 pages. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind it to be longer. I don't know. It, it probably should be. I'll just say it's a great length for people to do in a group. You could you could watch it on an evening and discuss it. Um, you could 
break it into two halves and, and do it for two different Sunday schools, or you could break it into four parts and watch a quarter, 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 because it, it has the same, I, I think it has the same scene divisions as the stage play mostly did. So you could stop after each one and have discussion. So it's, 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 it's a good length. It's a good length for, for showing to other people. Um, I mean, I'll just say this. If I drag somebody over who's not a Lewis person, want to show it, I don't want a movie that's going to go three hours, do I? So, yeah. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I would have liked a little bit more time with his friends, just, you know, walking holidays and having fun. Uh, but the main scene that I wish that they would have done because they could have done it because they had access to Oxford, I would have liked to have seen Lewis arrive in Oxford for the first time and head off in the wrong direction. And yes. then turn back and see the dreaming spires and then have the voiceover about you know this this could be basically the story of my life yeah, you know, yeah heading heading great. in the wrong direction away from all that was good and all it took was a change of view and i suddenly saw all of the beauty yeah you you wonder if that's on the cutting room floor somewhere if they if they'd filmed it and didn't use it because you're right to say that would have been a perfect fit um they get the movie if i remember it right i've seen it four or five times to do the study guide it seems like they show him arriving and the next moment he's off to war, which is kind of true, but that was a great moment. Uh, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that would have been a good one. Well, we recently interviewed David Radford from the Grey Havens Band, and they had a song specifically about that event of Lewis arriving in Oxford um, and seeing the city from the wrong side. And and also because it's a it's nicely paralleled with the great divorce and the gray town uh all all of those all of those things speak to me very powerfully so uh it was a great movie but that's the scene i would have added if i could have yeah well we can hope for an extended version maybe at some point yes for a director's <laughs> cut yeah hey a scene that i really thought they did super on was the the leatherhead station fantasties um, mm -hmm. book thing. I thought that was great. He's out walking and he's looking over the book and he's, he picks it up just before he gets on the train and, and he starts to read it. Um, you know, because on the stage play, you just hear about it mostly. And here they showed it and, and I thought it looked really well. Uh, we, we had, we got to see it and hear Lewis, Lewis's words at the same time. So I thought that was pretty great. The two things that I liked about that scene, one was the fact that he nearly missed his train, showing that it was a very chance encounter with Fantasties. Yeah. And secondly, it was when they cut to him sitting up in bed reading, being transported to another world. You know, I, I have read Fantasties. I don't get what the big deal is, but I love Lewis's description of reading Fantasties and Surprised by Joy about the bright shadow coming out of the book and touching everything. Yeah. And, and I'll just say this, uh, if, if some of your listeners are, are going to go like you and I did and pick up Fantasties and they're going to have the same reaction, I don't get it. Um, go ahead and pick up Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I mean, or, or Lion Witch. I mean, Lewis's own works do for us what that work did for him. That work doesn't do for us. Um, how about this? Aren't, I'm going to give a couple scenes that I'm glad they didn't reenact. Um, okay. So, 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 uh, I think, I think Lewis is, is, either standing or walking or sitting. That's what he does when he narrates mainly. Uh, Max is doing that. About the bus ride up Headington Hill where he chose to unbuckle. Now, you could have put him on an old bus going up Headington Hill and he could have, you know, looked like he was deep in thought and oh, it would have just been terrible, right? And so they didn't do that. They just let him, let the words do it uh, in a different setting. And then the other one you'd think they might have done was the motorcycle ride to Whipsnane Zoo. Again. Yes, that did surprise me. But I'm glad they didn't. They let your imagination carry it. Because picture this, uh, you know, you have uh, Nicholas Ralph climbing into a sidecar and it, it, 
I think it would just be distracting. I think for us to imagine it is plenty. Anyway, I, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they, I mean, because that, that's all the decisions. You have to decide, okay, what do we reenact? What don't we? What do we bring to life? What do we let Lewis um, just tell us about? Anyway, I'm glad that, that those two pieces, they, we, we, they, they told us, not showed us. They did a great job, I thought, by the way, showing Flora Lewis's illness. I thought that was mm. great. Um, that was very moving. Um, and, and Lewis's response. So, Well, let's talk about your involvement in the movie project and the study guide. Could you just like explain a little bit as to what people will find in the study guide when they eventually get their hands on it? Um, and the, the sort of thing that you tell them about and the sort of questions that you ask. Yeah, so I'll just say this. A study guide for a movie like this is, is well, partly an impossible job because you're going to have three different kinds of people. You're going to have Lewis scholars who might pick this up and they say, oh, yeah, I know that, 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 right? <laughs> and then they'll have people sort of who know a little bit about Lewis who want to know some more. And then they'll have people who don't know a thing about Lewis at all. And somehow you you want to try to provide something for all of them. Uh, and, and particularly for the newbie. I mean, somebody who knows all about Lewis could probably lead a discussion and answer all sorts of questions and expand and unpack all these scenes um, without any help. But, but I think, I think, I think FPA is looking to make this a movie that people can watch as a group, you know, like a, like a, like a book club, like a Sunday school class, like a youth group. And to do that, most, most Sunday school teachers or youth group leaders are going to need some help. And so this is designed for that. That said, it also could be done by an individual who'd like to go further up and further in. So I, I went through the movie from beginning to end and picked, uh, I think, what do I have? 22, yeah, 22 short passages to kind of lock us in um, to something in the movie, right? So, so Lewis's first words are, when I, was an when I was an atheist. So that's what I start out. Number one is, when I was, was an atheist, I talk about Lewis being an atheist. I have a couple quotes from him speaking on the BBC about being an atheist. And then after I give some background information for each of these short passages, I give Two discussion questions, just in case the first one doesn't get any response or somebody wants to use a second one, but if somebody ever leads a discussion guide. I'll just tell you what I don't like. I don't like things that call themselves discussion guides and have like 12 questions that anybody could have thought of that aren't that good. So um, I tried to give some background information, have some discussion questions that could really be pretty open. Um, and, and I'll read the first couple from this when I was an atheist. Question number 1A, Lewis was not a pastor or a professional theologian. How do you think this might have helped him talk about the Christian faith in ways ordinary people could understand? Second one, Lewis was also a recent convert. What are some things a recent convert might be able to see that a lifelong Christian might not? So there's that kind of question. And then there'll be other questions where I'll ask something about well, I'll point out, uh, Lewis, I, I do the scene, most reluctant convert, right? And I mentioned that uh, for many people, the step to belief in Christ is one step. You believe in God and Christ in one step. For Lewis, that was two. And then my question will be, what was it like for you? Did you believe in God first and Jesus second, or was it all in one step? And I'll even talk about, Lewis talked about it as a gradual coming to Christ. And for many people, it is. Other people, it's like June 1st at 1130 at night. So, you know, and I'll say, what was it like for you? And, and give people a chance to talk about it there. So anyway, um, I, I don't know if they'll cut it. hasn't It hasn't been put in PDF. I don't know if they'll cut anything. But in in a Word file, it's twelve mostly single spaced pages. Um, and and I'm hoping that people will pick and choose. Surely they don't have to work through all twenty 
two quotes. Um, the other thing I'll say that's there, uh, and I think this I think this may be as important as anything that's in there, is to try and say this little passage that you just saw in the movie actually comes from chapter one of Problem of Pain. If you'd like to read the whole thing, that's where you'll find it. And this comes from chapter five of uh, Surprised by Joy. And if you want to read the whole thing, that's where you can find it. So always want to point people back to Lewis, especially for people who don't know him very well. And they go, "Ah." and then they they can spend time with it. They can look at it, get the whole context. So, um, So I have questions. I have read more about it. And then I have a little passage for the Lewis scholar, look deeper, somebody who knows much about Lewis to say, here's another aspect you might think about. So for example, the scene where he is um, talking about, I saw layer after layer of, here, what did he say? Yes, what I found appalled me, depth after depth, right? And the young man, Lewis, is looking in a mirror and examining himself. Well, in the look deeper, I I, I mentioned Eustace because the Eustace seems awfully similar. Uh, Eustace uh, is able to scratch off the first superficial layers of dragon skin, but he finds he has another layer under that and he can't undragon himself and he has to let Aslan do it for him. So anyway, that's the kind of thing I do in I, when I say look deeper before I do read more about it. That particular question and that scene, it actually made me think of Till We Have Faces uh, when Orwell says, I am Ungit when she's taken to the mirror by her father. But I'm not going to say that too loudly, because otherwise Andrew Lazo will be uh, at, at my back saying, it's his best book, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Hey, that said, by, by the way, while we're here and just chatting about it, I thought they did a very good job on the most reluctant convert scene. And um, again, I, I, I'm sorry if we're doing spoilers, but they're not big spoilers. You know what happens at the end, right? But, you know, the, the line where that night I knelt and prayed that night, the most reluctant. Anyway, they don't have him kneeling by his bed and folding his hands, which I thought was hmm. was good. That, that would have been, I don't know, too much. I'd rather just imagine what that looked like. So anyway, it was, it was lovely. <laughs> well, I think we're pretty much nearing the end of the show. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, and I guess it would be this. Um, you know, you and I haven't talked too much about exactly why you and I read and study Lewis, right? And and why would your listeners want to watch a film or even go see a play about his life and thought, right? And I've been thinking about this. And I don't know. For me, and I think for many other people like me, Lewis is able to extend and to enrich and expand what we think of the Christian faith. Um, I would be a Christian without Lewis, but my conception of faith would not be as rich or as deep or as broad. And um, I don't know, reading Lewis gives gives an added power and depth to the message in the Gospels. Um, I don't know exactly why it needs more power and depth, but he, he gives it to it, right? And it opens up, for me at least, a deeper vision of what Christianity is. Um, and he's able to do this for mature Christians, for new believers, and for people who are just starting out on that journey. And and so the, what he does, the thing that you and I like about him and have liked about him for years and have spent time with him, he's going to, the movie's going to be able to do that for people because it's Lewis's words. And uh, I'll be, I'll be surprised if, if there's not lots and lots of people saying lots and lots of good things about it. Completely agree. And I do wonder who we're going to have contacting us in the coming months whose email will begin, my friend made me watch this movie and I really enjoyed it. And then I went and picked up 
mere Christianity, and then I found your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Friend made me watch the movie. The movie drove me to the books, and learning more about the books drove me to the podcast. And, and, and you know, I think that's exactly the response. It's going to be um, lots of people who have never heard of Lewis, people who don't go to Christian bookstores, people who don't go to christianbook.com are going to go see the movie, or they're going to stream the movie, and that's going to lead them to Lewis, and then the whole Lewis world. And... Um, I think I think it's going to be pretty. I, I'm just very interested. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm very excited to see what happens. Yeah, I think the Fellowship of Performing Arts have have given us a real treasure. That's this just going to help the uh, all Lewis fans and Christianity in general for for many years to come. And it is truly wonderful to be able to say it was a really good movie and not have to append at the end, you know, for a Christian movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Or or if you like that sort of thing, or, you know, yeah, if you don't have anything else to watch, I don't know, any of those things. Uh, you're right. I think it'll stand up to lots of things. I'm, I'll be curious to see what sort of reviews um, it gets, not just in, you know, Christianity Today, but, you know, in Time and Newsweek and all those other places that do, mm -hmm. Christian re that do reviews of movies. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, I, get, I get that there's going to be a certain kind of film reviewer who's not going to look at it, right? Because, well, it's a Christian movie. But I think, I think there'll be plenty of people who will. And if they give it a chance, I think, I, think, I think good things can happen. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for coming on Pints of Jack again uh, for season four and a half, our one and only episode. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you? Well, they can go to my Asbury website. If they Google Devin Brown plus Asbury University, they'll see my Asbury webpage. And you can go to my Amazon webpage and see my books. Um, and I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Uh, I kind of got in touch with Max because he used my biography as one of other many biographies, including Surprised by Joy, when he was first doing the script for um, the stage play. So um, if people want to learn more and I, I i'm under the impression that when when my study guide goes up there'll be something about um a life observed if people want to read more read a whole book about it um obviously they the the one that would get them most in return would be surprised by joy they could read lewis's own words but if they wanted to look at a whole biography um they could find it on amazon and where do you think people should go if they want to find out more about the movie itself yeah, so uh, we should talk about that a lot because uh, C.S. dot com is, is where you can find it. Now, if you go to the um, Fellowship of a Performing Arts website, fpatheater.com, and it's R-E, you can get there from there. They'll, 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 you can click on the movie and it'll take you right there. And and I I'll, let's talk about this. People who are listening to us who are intrigued um, may want to help promote it. They've got a launch team that's really pretty exciting. Um, so you can go to cslewismovie.com and click on join the launch team and find all sorts of things you can do on social media and ways you can get involved there and involved with future productions if you want. So anyway, either of those two places will get you there. And you were also showing me earlier that there's a bunch of resources that are available, um, posters and, and trailers and everything else to, uh, to, to share on social media. Yeah. And I'll say this, if people want to see it, look... <laughs> We were very lucky to get a Vimeo link and be able to watch it now. Um, if you want to watch it soon, you need to buy some tickets and go to a theater on November 3rd. At some point, it'll be a pay-per-view, but it's not going to be you know, available November 4th for pay-per-view. So if you're excited and want to go see it, you know, go online and you can buy tickets online. It often takes you right to your closest theater. Bring some friends, bring a group from church, 
buy out a whole theater. Um, I, I promise you, you'll have a great night November 3rd if you go see it. And I'll put links to all of those websites that we mentioned in the show notes. And so I just now would like to wrap up by thank you all for listening. Thank our patron supporters, particularly our top tier supporters. Bud, Shane, John, Kevin, Brian, Kay, Monique, Paul, Kimberly, Gillis, Gary, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Kelly, Chris, John, James, Kate, and Peter, and Rowdy. And please follow us on social media and send us messages while we are in between seasons. And we'll be seeing you in season five, when we'll be going further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.